tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Johnson. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now... Let the buzz begin! Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Ultimate Fighter Season 22. We are in week two, episode two here. Uh, my co-hosts, I don't know if you can see, but they're having fun. I don't know what y'all are. What are you doing over here? Oh, I was just laughing because the song. Yeah, it's madness. Yeah, I can one, the show is madness. Yep. Two, the after show can be madness if we're on point. And three, episode two called, was it Crowded House? Crowded House. Madness brings us in the middle of our street. Oh, oh my gosh, the producer's jamming it out. I love it. Thank you. Back there. This should be the new um, theme song for sure. I am Sari Serrano, and let me introduce you, everybody around here. To my left, Jared Gilkerson. That's me, and I'm back, and it's episode two. Yeah. And across the table, Jonathan. Yes, very excited. My goodness. Uh, I love the fight tonight. You did. Mm, I did. We'll talk about it in a minute. I know. And you came back. So thanks I for know. Two weeks yeah. in a row. What, what am I thinking? You are wrong with We me. love it. And Tom J. When the lights go down <laughs> and the sun comes yes! up. Yes! I don't have to sing that song anymore because oh we got a new theme song. You I so just, just did that right. for me because I needed some cheering up and thank you for that's that. That's the last time you that's will That's two do weeks that in a row. <laughs> did you picture Alexis sitting happy. back there? She's, as soon as that happened, you could just hear the levels go down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, we got to get Let's right into it yes. and introduce, yes, our very special guest from Team USA, Ryan Hill. Welcome. Ryan? Thanks What's for Ryan Hall, man. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. We know it's very late on the East Coast, so we appreciate you staying up. No, my pleasure. I'm usually up till four uh, thereabouts, and don't worry, the twitching thing is not contagious, at least not digitally. So you guys. <laughs> Actually, as you mentioned that we were talking yeah. earlier, and I'm kind of hoping that I think you said that there were different different kinds or different levels of Tourette's. It would be really cool if you get the swearing one for the next 20 minutes. Oh, oh my God. Go for it. So hard. <laughs> I feel like I missed the boat, but, you know, maybe in another life. Hashtag Ryan Hall goes crazy. Wait, I got to say, I love how open <laughs> and honest Monday, you are. Sunday, you know, over here, honestly. Yeah, I was about to say, you have to be more specific if you're looking for crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, right off the bat, uh, yeah. when I saw episode one, uh, Ryan, you were my favorite fighter. Totally okay. serious. Yeah, right off the bat. And, uh, I, I just, I, I, no, it's true. I he wouldn't shut up about it. You see my notes? I've been really excited. <laughs> I've been really excited all day for this. And, and I'm really glad to see that on Skype and everything we've been talking with you just for a few minutes, you were really cool. Like, everything, you're meeting all expectations. I'm sure I'll let you down. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> all right, good. Yeah, the episode is young. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well... Let's dive right into your yes. fight, right? Your yes. fight against Franz. Um, Jay, what did you think of the fight? Uh, I thought it was it was great. I think it's in in some ways kind of I'm even going to say funny because 
Ryan, uh, for, for those of you who don't know, and we'll get soon into it, you know, Ryan has a long uh, legacy and a, a pedigree in the jiu-jitsu world, which is, is quite uh, quite separate and different from the MMA world. The two really do um, kind of, I want to say, keep themselves separate a lot of the time. There's a lot of, you know, jiu-jitsu purists out there. And and I'm I'm not as, as versed jiu-jitsu guy as I should be. Um, I di- was not aware, Ryan, I got to say, I wasn't aware of your pedigree to, to the extent that it, uh, that it is. Uh, in jujitsu, especially with leg locks, yeah. And to get bring it back to bacon, the match itself, what I probably under a minute, maybe about a minute or so, um, he was going for his bread and butter there. His uh, the leg locks got it, and I don't know what the technical term is for that uh, that uh, takedown that you went for. I think I called it. What was it? Heel hook. No, well, the, the uh, takedown. Uh, sorry, so. come on, Not the takedown. I called it a rolling takedown uh, of some funny. sort. Yeah. And um, you were going, you got the heel hook, and I mean, it was over as fast as it. it it's like, like you said, it was Rondo with the arm bar. You know it's coming. Yeah. It's like, or Jason with the machete. Yeah. You know that somebody's <laughs> oh going to go down. Liable than all of us. That, that, he doesn't even have to run it. He just kind of walks. And right. He's like, yeah, there's 20 minutes into the movie. There's like an hour and a half left. You're toast. People <laughs> fall down to the ground, and he doesn't even take them down. They just kind of trip on their own accord, right? It kind of works out for him, I'll be honest. It's interesting. <laughs> no, I, go ahead, Jonathan. No, please, please. I just wanted to uh, kind of, we're, we're talking about the fight, so let's let's run through the fight. There wasn't much of it, but uh, like Uriah was saying, it looked like you were kind of, you, you got his, you got Franz's mind off of, you know, your bread and butter. So kind of just take us from the, you know, the first bell and then until the ending. Sure thing. Well, um, you know, Franz is uh, is a real tough guy. He trains with some very, very good uh, good grapplers and good fighters in Sweden. A, a couple of the guys that I actually know from from the jiu-jitsu scene. And um, you know, on, honestly, you know, the the Ultimate Fighter came on at, at 155 pounds, and I was in in my mind, honestly, before getting onto the show, I thought I was on my way out of the whole sport because I couldn't get a dang fight to save my life. Wow. And uh, you know, I ordinarily fight at 145 pounds, could fight at 135, and I, you know, when the show came on at 55, I'm like, yeah, I'm in. If they'll actually have me, and I was pretty shocked that they picked me. So you know, when it comes to the kind of the approach that I was taking, I was trying to get through the fights with as little damage as possible because in the tournament style setting, you definitely don't want to get punched in the head too many times because there's a cumulative effect of all that. And, and again, I'm, I'm funny looking enough as it is, so I'd prefer to prefer to avoid that. And uh, you ben know, Affleck Franz, might disagree Franz with you. I'll say again. Ben Affleck might disagree with you. Yeah, but I, I would disagree with him though. So I guess at the end of the day. <laughs> He's Batman, and I was all ready for Heath Ledger to be terrible as Joker, and then he was the greatest thing in the universe. Yeah. So maybe, maybe Batman's going to be incredible, and I will owe Mr. Affleck an apology. But uh, basically, uh, you know, Franz was looking to keep things away, and he's a taller, kind of rangier sort of guy. And, and a lot of the, the jiu-jitsu, you know, positives come from, you know, you being able to get to fight to the ground, which in grappling sports, they actually have to engage you, which is fantastic. In, in fighting, they get to run away, which is kind of a kind of disappointing, I'll be honest. It, it makes my life way harder. So I was trying to, like you said, take his mind off of things, you know, getting involved in the striking and making that real as possible. And then when people start to respect that, then then you have the opportunity to get in there for, you know, for different jujitsu type of stuff. And I was able to hit that rolling leg entangle thing and then get our way into the heel hook. And uh, that, that was kind of the game plan. Again, one, because it, it plays to my strengths, and two, because it was – uh, recognizing, uh, you know, the nature of the competition does not really lend itself towards getting into long striking exchanges. Just because even if you win the win the battle, you may end up losing the war 
of cumulative damage. And and I was fortunate that it ended up working out because Franz is a very tough guy, and his knee popped a couple times, and Ooh. he kept on going. And and to his credit, there was no quit in him until the very end. That explains. Uh, in watching the fight, you you seem to actually have him locked up a few times. Is that did you let go to reposition, or were you letting go because he actually popped, and you figured that was it? <laughs> Well, honestly, I, I let go to reposition in a, in a grappling tournament against non-professional competitors, which is something that I used to do a lot. I would let go to not hurt somebody because, you know, someone's got a wife, children, they got a regular job. You know, putting this person in the hospital is not really something that I'd like to have on the list of things to do for the day. But, but when it comes to a professional, you know, mixed martial arts fight, you know, people are not going to give up just on the the threat of oh, you're going to make them look bad or something like that. You have to make them know that that you're you're willing to hurt them and that you're capable of doing it. Because you know the same reason that he's throwing punches that are that are not meant to just touch me. They're meant to make me sit down on my butt and and wonder what the heck was going on. I kind of have to put the same sort of fear and and the same sort of realness into a submission perspective, and that's what I was shooting for. But again, he was a squirmy, scrambly guy, and I had to follow it through a number of transitions, but was fortunately able to get the finish. Nice. How comfortable are you at this weight, and are you really 5'10"? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be honest. The closer I can creep to six feet on any sort of list anywhere ever, I'll be I'm comfortable with that. Uh, but, yeah, I'm probably like 5'9". Right, maybe 5'10 on a good day, but I'll tell you what. If I stand on my tiptoes, I can get to like 5'11", and nice. I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if I wear boots and stand on my tiptoes, I'm going to even six, and it's it's a good day. But, um, uh, you know, at, at this weight, I'm very comfortable. It's, the trick is really being able to get people to engage me because, you know, again, the, the reality is people are going to fight in, in the way that's best for them, and, and you can't fault them for it. If I could get people to grapple with me, I, I feel like I can fight anyone, borderline anyone in the whole wide universe, almost regardless of weight. Um, unless, of course, they're also really good at jiu-jitsu, in which case I'll probably use my words if they're really big. <laughs> smart man, smart man. <laughs> it's, uh, but, but again, you know, the, the, tr- the trick is at, at the heavier weights, drawing people in, and that's another reason that I'm not shooting single leg, double leg on everybody, be- because most of the guys in the house were, were about, you know, 15 to 20 pounds heavier than me naturally. I, I was trying to see if I could kind of magic my way into stuff a little bit more than, than fight them head on. And, and again, in this case and in the fight before, they both ended up working out pretty well. I'm going to switch gears a little bit, mm-hmm. unless you guys, ha- guys no, have another no, question. Please, please. What was the coaching experience uh, like? You know, obviously they've already shown on TV in the last two episodes, or the first two episodes, um, you know, the difference in styles and whatnot. What was your take on, on Connor versus Uriah? Well, I'll tell you, like, honestly, I really like both of them. I, you know, Connor, speaking of, of Connor, he actually gave me some really good kickboxing and like striking advice that, you know, he, I'm on the other team. He has no obligation to do any sort of thing like that. And I really appreciated that, that he was a gentleman enough to, to, you know, to, to take notice of some things that I was doing all right and some things that I wasn't doing so well and, and kind of give me a pointer, which was really appreciated, particularly coming from someone with the, the striking pedigree that he has. Um, Uriah, on the other hand, had a very different approach, and I really had a great time training w- with Uriah and the guys from Team Alpha Male. It was really apparent right off the bat that they wanted to see you succeed. Um, but again, the reality is that, that it's just a tough situation for everybody involved because you got eight, n- eight, nine random people now that, that you guys have seen the most recent episode. You know, when they brought back some guys, you know, we had nine random people with this experience, that experience, differing skill sets, differing understandings of what training is supposed to be. And then you mix that with Uriah and the guys from Team Alpha Male who are trying to add some structure to this and, and, and help everyone, even though, you know, people have a fight coming up every three, four days. And in fact, a lot of the guys have no idea when they were going to fight. I think I got off a little easy because I had the 
I had, at least I got things out of the way right away, and I knew that I was going to fight first. But uh, it was a tough situation overall. But I mean, I I learned so much getting to work with all of the different all of the different coaches. But at the same time, it was definitely different because when I'm at home, you know, I've been my own coach in jujitsu and in, in a lot of things on a day to day, at least, you know, for the better part of ten years. So it was definitely a different spot being having other people in charge of, of what I'm going to do on a day to day. But uh, you know, it was I thought it was a fantastic experience, and I, I really learned a lot. And and reality is, everyone that for all the difficulties, we were all in the same boat. You just touched on learning a lot. What did what did you take away after all those weeks of being in the house and, and all that incredible training? What do you think? Um, where do you think you improved most? Uh, I think that, that a couple of the things that I learned a lot were were in regards to you know the the just putting everything together because you have the striking component like the boxing kickboxing you have the wrestling component and then you have the the jujitsu side of things you know all the way on the floor you know that kind of comprise MMA and you know. The real trick, though, is putting it all together because maybe one of the, if not the best, one of the best fighters in the history of MMA is a guy named George St. Pierre, who, one, handled things phenomenally well in the cage and as well as out of the cage. He was like the Derek Jeter of MMA. Like, there's just nothing bad you can say about how the guy went about his business. And uh, the reality was he was very, very good at everything, but he was not elite at anything. And this is not a knock on George. Just if you put him in there with an out-of-this-world wrestler, that guy's going to chew him up in wrestling. You put him in there with a great striker, that guy's going to chew him up in striking. A great jiu-jitsu guy, this guy's going to get him. But what made George so special was the way that he put the entire game together and had this incredible synergy of martial arts that allowed him to have a trump card over dang near everyone he ever fought. And the only people he ever lost to, he actually came back and avenged the losses in, in really dominating fashion. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the, he was the coolest example of showing us all what MMA really is. And, and that it's its own unique unique art where the synergy of it all is the biggest key. And getting to work with Uriah, with a bunch of other people that he brought in, with many of the coaches, and also getting to be around the other athletes on the team was just a unique experience, kind of like a buffet of information that even though it was sometimes difficult to put into use in the moment, you know, looking back, the second I got home, I was a way better fighter than I was when I left. And that was without ideal training. That was without, you know, a comfortable training environment, a comfortable, you know, sleeping in your own bed type situation. But it, it just made crystal clear to me just how, how absolutely critical all of these different pieces are. And it was really cool to get to get to have Uriah and, and a number of the other guys, you know, kind of make that make that available to us. Because, again, they don't have to do that. You say um, you say looking back. So you're going back a few months and or, or weeks here in training. But I really want to kind of jump even further back. Uh, you've been a jujitsu guy forever, you know, for like, a, you know, over a decade now. And looking at your record, <laughs> was that what, what did I was miss? Oh, okay. You got a cameo? <laughs> Is that the boss of the house? Yep. Uh, um, looking back <laughs> on, I know. Can we ask her questions? <laughs> I think we might here. Did we lose Hopefully. the audio? Oh, he's got it. No, he can hear it. Right. Um, can you hear us? You can hear yeah. us, Ryan, right? Oh, hopefully. Oh, no. oh yeah. I can okay, yeah. good. <laughs> that was fun. He just didn't like those questions, apparently. Yeah, that shows, yeah. shows like how interesting I am. Um, but I wanted to go back to earlier in your career, because in the show you mentioned how you uh, went pro in MMA not too long ago, but I was doing some research, and I saw that you actually had a pro fight back in 06, and you lost by a unanimous decision and then took a six and a half year layoff until you did more MMA. So I kind of wanted to just dive into your early career and if, you know, why the long layoff or why did you jump in MMA back then and then, you know, go back and forth. So what was the, the logic behind that? Yeah, that was, I'll tell you what, that was an interesting experience, honestly. I'll, 
I didn't realize that I, that, that was a pro fight at the time. Uh, I've been training for about, you know, I've been training for about uh, a year and a half in jiu-jitsu and, and nothing but jiu-jitsu. So no wrestling, no striking. Wow. And, and when I say that I've been training jiu-jitsu, I mean I, I was training to win tournaments, which means that I had about one position that I was kind of sort of good at, one submission that I was kind of sort of good at. I was not a good grappler at all, and it was not like a low-level version of, of, of what, I, what I'm able to do at this point. It was like this completely other hyper-sport-oriented thing, and, and I was uh, actually put in there you know, against this guy named Eddie Five. He's a tough guy. He had some MMA experience, had a lot more grappling experience than me, someone that, that probably even back then there was a good chance that I would have beaten in a jiu-jitsu tournament because of the nature of the rules. They would have to, have to kind of combat you in a certain way, but – you know, in a fight, that's a little bit different. They have no obligation to just waltz in there and give you a chance to win. And uh, it was it was an interesting experience for sure. You know, I'll, I'll, I think my coaches put me in there, honestly, as in a little bit of a kind of a, a flip of the bird to the opposition where they were hoping to say, hey, if my guy wins, well, haha, he won and he didn't even train for this thing. And if he loses, well, ah, he doesn't even do this type of stuff. Little did I know that I would actually compete in MMA professionally one day and it would be a loss on my record, which is a little bit of a bummer. <laughs> but, um, you know, long story short, I actually, on the way to the fight, I had, I was in three car accidents, no bullshit, um, had what? my car totaled. I didn't eat for two and a half days because no one told me how to – I was only three pounds oh over the weight God. and it was 155 pounds and I was smaller then than I am now. So I only had to lose about three pounds instead of maybe about the five that I had. I didn't know how to do it and no one told me anything. So I literally didn't eat for about two and a half days trying to drop the weight because that was the only way I knew how. And uh, which looking back was not, not a good idea. And uh, <laughs> it, it, was, it was insanity. And I remember we found out the we found out the rules li- actually in the ring. I, the only thing I knew how to do on the feet, and again, when I say know how to do, is in the the weakest sense of the term possible. I need the guy right in the gut, and the ref ran over and grabbed me and looked at me like I was a lunatic. And and he says, "You do that again, I'm going to disqualify." I'm like, "Do what?" He's like, "Need that guy." I'm like, "Wait, that was Plan A through Z. There was nothing <laughs> else here." He's <laughs> like, "Don't take this from me, man. It's over." And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how that went down, and I, I ended up losing two rounds to one, getting punched in the face quite a few times, and looking back, I was pretty annoyed at my coaches. I just remember being like, I cannot believe you guys got me involved in this. I had no idea what the heck was going on. At the same time, I was happy to do it, and I was like, well, I don't mind getting punched in the head a whole bunch. Apparently, I have like a jaw that doesn't that handles that all right. That being said, I should probably take this a little more seriously before getting involved. And and at that point, jujitsu started to take off for me quite a bit, and, and I was doing nothing but. And, and again, I, I had no no concept that I would ever compete professionally in MMA until about 2012, and then it kind of turned over. And, and I actually thought it would be a little bit of a positive because having that loss on your record sometimes makes people willing to fight you that otherwise wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, particularly in the early goings of things where people are getting paid five six hundred bucks to do a fight. And frankly, if someone said, hey, Ryan, you want to fight Jose Aldo for 500 bucks? I'm like, no. (laughs) There's a decent chance I'm going to end up in a not such a good shape physically. I'd really, really appreciate at least having my hospital bills covered. And, uh, you know, as a result, it's pretty tough to, if you're, if you're coming from, coming from like wrestling or boxing or jujitsu into the MMA world in the beginning, you have got to beg, borrow, and steal to get people in the ring. And, and I hope that that loss would help. Unfortunately, it didn't seem like it did. So now it's just kind of a blemish on the record. But I will say this, unless I get into like a plane crash of some kind, no fight that I have going forward will be quite as much of a cluster screw as that was. 
Wow. Knock on wood, that is. Yeah. We hope. <laughs> yeah, I say that now. It's gonna. I'm sure just because the universe has some sort of cosmic, you know, sense of humor that I'm going to be in the most ridiculous situation and get punched in the face by a man in a chicken suit or something like that. All the way to the next way. Oh my god! It almost sounds like the coaches were. This sounds like old school kind of. I always revert back to pro wrestling. How you know yeah. you try to weed out the the weak people or something. Do you? I mean, I don't know what your relationship is with with those coaches then, but do you, do you think they were trying to kind of like give you? Kind of a tough beginning, trying to like, yeah, like a hazing thing. A little bit, you know, but at at the same time, one of the coaches got drunk and I had to find him. I I didn't get back to the hotel that was that I was supposed to stay at on the night before the fight until 4 a.m. because I was chasing one of my coaches around the Tropicana Hotel in in Atlantic City, which is as grimy as (laughs) you think it would be. And he was he had, was dunking his head in the fountain, and the security guards were trying to throw him out. And I was dragging him. This guy's like a thirty five year old man, oh and I'm like twenty. And wow. and I couldn't believe that I was playing dad to this person. And and that's to say nothing of the fact that we totaled my car on the way up there. And actually, we're up until six in the morning the day before because AAA couldn't pick up three of us, only two of us. And then you find out later on that people were on a bunch of oxycodones, and then that's probably why they crashed the car. This is the show. This is like this is a show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but here's the zinger because I mean we could certainly go off on this uh, this oh story. It's a great story. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm wondering if I mean as crazy as this whole thing is, at the end of it, you're in the locker room in the back, and they come with a paycheck, and you're going. Oh, we get paid for this? Yeah. No, that actually happened. We were like, wait, what? It was three-minute yeah. rounds. It was non-professional rules. I thought I just got punched in the face a whole bunch and didn't get any money. The best part about it was, though, that I took that money and I went and lost it at cards. It was <laughs> great. Well, of course you did. That has to be the button to all of it, of course. Oh, yeah. I remember thinking, like, well, if there's any sort of justice in this universe, I'm going to get dealt great cards. Well, actually, what would happen was I was dealt really good cards, and the guy right next to me was dealt great cards, which is about the worst thing in the universe, and he took all of my money. This entire experience, is a, there's a term, a military stand-down, and they actually do this in the military. It's when things are going like this, the actual military just takes a few minutes and go, you know what, we're going to stop for a couple of days. We're just going to let all this cosmic yeah. energy pass, yeah. and we'll you know, come I back wish and someone would have been there to say that to me, because I'll be honest, I just kept on plugging along, and that looking back... There were errors with that thought process. <laughs> I can't wait to play this for some of the amateur fighters that I deal with. I, oh uh, you know, the, the guys that I come across, and when they think that things are going wrong, I can't wait to show them this clip yes. here and say, "Look, guys, fantastic. nut up, shut Three up." Three car fight. accidents and more. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> could one of our fans like animate? If you're any any oh animators, God. can you just there animate you that story? Yes. That would be great. That would be hilarious. That would, I, I will help fund this with whatever yes. small amount of money. Yes. That Let's, I do have. Let's, Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. That's awesome. Win the series, and then we can get on the early adventures of Ryan the Wizard Hall. Yeah, as, right, as an animated thing, maybe on you know, you, you MTV or something. He you hates didn't it. seem too crazy about the wizard uh, yeah. tag they were putting on you. Uh, I'll be honest; it's better than Riangle. Right. I don't oh know. I've never put a good nickname in my life, but I think that's that's how you know it's a nickname because if your nickname sounds too rad, you know you gave it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like the young assassin or whatever. That there is no way your friends actually called you that. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible. Your friends only call you things you don't want to be called. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So that's how you know an actual nickname. So I don't know. Uriah <laughs> wouldn't let it stop. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's out of my hands. I will do my best, but. Well, I don't you, know. I don't have anything good. Everything cool that I've ever thought of, I know would never stick. People would just look at me and, and laugh. I, just like me. Call him Affleck. <laughs> Ryan Affleck Hall. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's already, what is it, 
what is it? Uh, Channing Wahlberg. I can't. Affleck doesn't oh, stand yeah. up to Channing Wahlberg. Chan- Billy Q has got Chan- the title. I can't possibly take it from him. There's nothing I can do. I don't. Yeah, Channing. And by the way, he does not look like. You don't think so? I think those. with that beard. I mean, if you shave the beard, then I'll let the oh, Affleck not thing him. go. I'm talking about the Channing, oh, Channing Wahlberg thing. Um, <laughs> you know, we have a comment from someone on YouTube. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan. They they they're talking. That, who was uh, it? Who who's just who's that? Who's it? Joseph uh, Boza. Oh, Bo- Joe Boza. Joe. Joe. Oh, what's up? JB, big fan. Oh, <laughs> yeah. nice. Uh, he wa- he's a wanted to see here. I guess he he was noticing that Connor seemed upset after you won your match without breaking a sweat. He said, "I was curious about then how, what Connor's reaction was to you winning the match." Uh, you know, honestly, Connor was nothing but a gentleman when I was there. You know, he's someone that I've, I've known a lot of his. I know a lot of the guys he trains with, and a lot of the guys that he, they uh, that have coached him. You know, Gunny Nelson's a friend of mine, someone I've trained with a lot. You know, he's a fantastic MMA fighter and, mm-hmm. and grappler, and and I've actually taught a seminar over over at uh, SBG Ireland before, a long time back. And, and uh, you know, I mean, again, I, I can't speak to what anything that Connor was thinking to himself at the moment. But, uh, again, he was nothing but a gentleman to me or anyone else when we were there. And, uh, you know, honestly, I've learned a lot from watching him. Nice. Speaking on uh, Connor and Uriah, actually, I know that you guys were interested in, in this, uh, Jared specifically, I believe. Oh. The banter that goes on b- back and forth between them. Oh, How amusing Lord. was that? Oh, that was that was fantastic. That was like a daily, you know, you know, kind of positive of being there. Because again, it's like Belgian prison. I used to watch a show called Locked Up Abroad, and sometimes locked up can be a messed up thing in the U.S. or somewhere else. But every now and then they show a place like Belgium or Sweden. And you're like, holy crap! It's kind of like a like a vacation home. You're just not allowed to leave. And that's kind of like what being the, on the Ultimate Fighter like is right like. Now. Only like there's 19 <laughs> other dudes there. So again, it is kind of like prison. But anyway. Uh, Having Uriah and Connor go back and forth is hilarious. I, I, they each got you know got their shots in. One of my favorite ones, though, I got to give to Connor was when he called Uriah fifty year old retired Yo. skateboarder. Yes, <laughs> I wrote that down. Very well. It was so like, good. There's no way you came up with that in the moment. It's too good. You have to be at home thinking about this. But if he came up with it in the moment, he's the smartest person I've ever met in my entire life. But uh, yeah, it, it was hilarious watching both of them go back and forth, and, and I think that they had like a, a healthy and friendly kind of rivalry. Yeah, it, it was interesting to see it develop. Connor is so quick. Oh yeah, he's quick. That's impressive. You got to give him credit. He's, uh, yeah, like master trash talker. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I think you, you, it, there's a certain element of just getting in the zone and going with it. And from there, it just spits. It's like a freestyle battle rap or something. Yeah. If you're in the zone, you're gonna nail it. Bang, 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 bang. But if not, you're gonna flop bad. I know? love your eyes energy because he's so Californian and mm-hmm. like just you can you can tell that he's a healthy guy because oh, yeah. of the way he responds to him. It's not like he doesn't get you know. It's not triggering him ang- like getting super angry right. and wanting to like go at him like some guys probably. His, his would. parents were hippies. Yeah, yeah. I, I've talked with him. Uh, it was a year years ago. We talked when he first actually right before he got signed to the UFC. Um, it was funny. I worked. I was with a fight promotion in in around the time that uh, actually that our guy here Ryan uh, debuted in 06 and we had signed Uriah to uh, to fight on our next show, which never happened because the UFC bought out the company and took all the contracts. Um, so was that WEC or back then? Uh, or? WFA. It was oh, the, WFA. Cool. Yeah, it was. I think it was after. I think he, uh, trying to think, if he let he left WEC. I think we signed him from the old WEC, and then uh, and that was after our first show, and never got the the second show going. Um, ironically, we did get sold for parts the same day as WEC. Small bit of trivia for all you uh, <laughs> the, the MMA newbies out there. Uh, but at any rate, I mean his his parents. He, he was raised you know very much um, holistically. 
Uh, you know, stories about his, his diet involving a heavy amount of, uh, was it apple cider vinegar? Uh-huh. And, uh, just kind of about that. parents were, yeah, I, I, it was the first I'd ever heard of it. Uh, <laughs> That's what I bathe in. <laughs> that would explain a lot. Snow. Yes, yes, the studio is <laughs> well, wreck. But it's something like that ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so funny. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Uriah definitely, he's a guy where, I, I keep waiting for the episode where it really breaks and Uriah just he loses it he snaps which I'd prob- I think probably probably like Ryan's dying is it oh, we're gonna see it it's <laughs> gonna happen he's, look at he's that, he's I don't know if I tripped on uh, hit a trigger here or something I don't think it necessarily you, you happens. think it happens I don't no think I don't it think happens. it does because I think unfortunately that's Uriah and and maybe that's what gets Connor although I don't think he'll ever show his cards either he'll just get so internally he'll get pissed off they can't get to Uriah you know yeah and just like God this kid won't play back with me or he will but I can't get him and you know. <laughs> Just buy a new suit, and that, that's how he'll express himself. <laughs> I actually asked Connor for some of his old suits. He said no. He said no. I was, I was a little disappointed because I, it seems stressful to be so well dressed all the time. Like oh, yeah. you can't just show up in sweats in like sweatpants one day because you set the bar too high. I was asking for some of his old stuff because it seemed clear to me he never wears anything twice. That's, I, I took notice that. of that this episode. I did uh, bring up the fact that either he has buyers uh, or he's going out and shopping himself. He, but he shops has to a lot buy. himself. He has to buy, and he's got so. a lot sent to him now too. But he, he, he shops a lot. I'll be honest. Yeah, that it's reminds me that we're talking about fashion. We saw yeah. you warming up in jeans. What was that all about? Yeah. <laughs> uh, those are the only pants I had. <laughs> they were <laughs> nice I jeans. Channel my inner Nick Diaz and just warm up and warm up in jeans. Right. <laughs> um, oh my uh, god! I was about to say I. I think I'm probably the least fashionable person that I know, and I know some very <laughs> unfashionable people. If that puts things in perspective, You're I thought it was so some kind of training humble. method where, like, it's like, y'all help me shed off a half a pound <laughs> in trading jeans. He already made the weight there. Let's yeah. Make a DVD and sell that because maybe we can get like I don't know, sixty bucks or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. a little auction. Um, yeah, so I'm Smart. gonna again take a little turn here and talk about the twist in the show that was presented to us, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, bringing back that was the question two guys, um, Artem, you know, Connor's teammate, and Johnny Nunez. Nunez, yeah. Nunez, yeah. Nunez from the USA. Uh, what what was the what was the energy with the guys like once you guys found that out and that Dana was gonna you know pick two guys that wouldn't make it to the semifinals? Did that change the atmosphere? Did it make it more intense, or did, was it just pretty much all the same? Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, it was definitely a little bit weird having Johnny come back in, you know, particularly by the end of the season where I, I got to talk to Johnny a lot and kind of get to know him as a person. You know, you, you kind of understand who you're dealing with, and, and you know, I, I like him a lot. It was just, you know, having someone that, that you competed against that, that, you know, you thought you kind of you were rid of him on a certain level because, you know, the reality is that, you know, you have Europe, you have America, but just kind of like Connor put at the beginning of the series, if one side does particularly well, you're probably going to find yourself competing against someone that, that you may be training with, someone that's on your side of things. Mm-hmm. And, and having, you know, having another, having a guy come back in, you know, that, that had already faced before was a little bit different. But again, you know, particularly as, as talented a guy as Johnny is, as, as tough of a wrestler and as experienced of a grappler as he is, you know, he definitely added a lot to the competition. The same can be said for Artem, you know, obviously from a striking and experienced perspective. Artem's another guy. Very, very tough, very experienced, you know, has kind of a, a, a mixed record, but his his skill set is well beyond, you know, what, you know, someone with like a, an 11 and 10 record would usually imply. And uh, it, w- it was definitely a little bit interesting, but I don't think, you know, from a competitive perspective that it made too much of a difference because, you know, I, I think that it, as people could tell from the fights to get into the house and, and I hope from my from my first fight, you know, in the uh, the prelims, 
um, that everyone was looking to, you know, take advantage of the opportunity that was in front of them. And, and we all fully appreciated, you know, kind of the gravity of the situation. So people were looking to make as positive of an impression as possible and, and look to finish their opposition. And I don't think that adding people changed that. If, if anything, it may have just added a little bit of extra fuel to the fire. But I think that things were already kind of going in a positive direction in that regard. Good to know. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm curious. We're getting a weird echo here. Pardon me. This is in your head. Yeah, yeah. It's the other voices in my head. Um, Wanted to touch base uh, or or touch upon you, your jujitsu background. You're known as we we talked about as as one of the uh, um, one of the premier leg lock wizards. I think that's where probably part of where Uriah got that from. But um, I'm curious your perspective. As a high-level jiu-jitsu guy, on leg locks, why we're not seeing them more in MMA, especially given that, I mean, there's there's constantly pros, uh, high-level you know, combat sports guys coming from all different disciplines. We're, what, 15, no, 20 years, I think, roughly about 20 years into MMA being in the U.S., let alone Valet Tudo and, you know, Pancration. This, this kind of sport has been around the world for for centuries now why at least in the modern era in in mma why have we not seen people catch up on leg locks more do you think in in mma and do you think that that's i mean that's obviously a style that you're bringing to uh to the ufc uh yourself and kind of known for that your your reputation precedes you now um, you know, honestly, I, I think that uh, it's funny how things work out, you know, particularly in a, in a young sport like MMA where, where things are turning over very, very quickly. Um, you know, you, obviously we had our time in the early, you know, the early to late 90s where jiu-jitsu was dominant and just grappling on the ground was dominant. It was a thing that, oh, that's all you need to know. And then it became guys that would wrestle well and would use their wrestling in reverse. Rather than taking people down, they would say, wait a minute. I don't need to be a great striker to outstrike this jiu-jitsu guy if he's garbage on the ground too, particularly if I'm more athletic – or garbage on the feet too, particularly if I'm more athletic. Let me just stop this dude from taking me down and I'll just crack him in the head at a certain point and things will work out the way that I hope they will. Um, you know, Then there was th- there was that time where you know wrestlers dominated and that still goes to a certain extent. And don't get me wrong, jiu-jitsu is an incredibly important part of MMA. Wrestling is an incredibly important part of MMA. But uh, you know, things are going in phases and it's funny how – Whatever's working at the moment becomes what works and what's right. And, uh, you know, there was a time I remember when I started, when I started, you know, jujitsu and MMA in 2004. Oh, you don't kick to the head. No, that's stupid. That doesn't work. Oh, those Taekwondo karate kicks, that stuff doesn't work. You know, you'll get taken down. Well, then you go dot, dot, dot. Well, what if I don't care if I end up on the floor? And then you have plenty of guys and some girls that are, that are doing phenomenally well utilizing some traditional martial arts disciplines these days. It's just that rather than the problem with the traditional martial arts before was not necessarily the techniques, but, uh, the training methods. And jiu-jitsu had, had a big issue with that as well because I think there was, you know, jiu-jitsu, you know, was synonymous with MMA in, you know, the early 2000s, the late 90s. And then, as you mentioned earlier before, you know, it became very less so and it's kind of this, its own sport now and then MMA is this separate thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that happened as jiu-jitsu started to, to fade out in terms of, of effectiveness of, of the guys and that were coming directly over as, oh, this guy's jiu-jitsu world champion. Of course, he'll be a great fighter. Let's put him in there against a guy who wrestled in the Olympics and has 25 professional fights. And, you know, it, now we look at that and we go, that's an insane thing to do. But back then it was, oh, yeah, this guy's a jiu-jitsu world champion. Of course, it'll work out. Well, we, we look at that knowing what we know now. And, and of course, that's a poor idea. So anyway, you know, when it comes to leg locks and MMA, I think that there's, there's room for all sorts of techniques. Everything just has to be applied 
in the way that it's meant to work and at the time that it's meant to work. If I try to use, if I try to force things to happen, it won't work. It, it just simply won't work. Mm-hmm. If I if I kick at the right moment, if I punch the right moment, if I grapple the right moment, everything has its time and place. But nothing is magical. Not nothing that I'm doing is magical. Nothing that anyone else is doing is magical. I actually train a lot with a guy named Stephen Thompson, who is easily the best striker that I've ever laced up gloves with. And it is, I swear to God, like sparring a Jedi. You know, you're like, how did he just touch me? He's like nine feet away. I was fine. Yeah, I realize he's good, but what the heck is going on here? And thank goodness he has a lot of control, and his foot usually stops like an inch in front of my face because if he wanted to sit me down, it would take half of a second. But a lot of the things that he does, people think don't work because they've never experienced someone doing it at his level. And, you know, the Taekwondo black belt, the Jiu-Jitsu black belt that we have down the block has nothing to do with the skill level of a guy like a Steven Thompson or the skill level of a guy like, uh, you know, a Marcelo Garcia or a Roger Gracie or someone like that who's truly elite. And when you bring that type of a skill set from another one of those individual sports, whether it's boxing, kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, you name it, and, you know, you're talking about guys and girls that are that are used to operating at a, at a truly elite level against other people that have that skill level, you know, that skill set and elite level developed as well, you're, you're talking about someone that, that really has something special provided they can marshal it in the MMA setting. If you look at Ronda Rousey, she's an Olympic-level judo player. She's a phenomenal athlete and a phenomenally skilled fighter. And she's fighting girls that got their na- nickname for taking people down in high school. You know, she's going to mollywop these chicks. And, the, yeah. and the, which is what we've been seeing. And, and then, of course, you look at her striking coming along and you say, of course, she's becoming a great striker because she knows how to train. She's an Olympian. She knows what it is to practice. She's going to learn striking in three years that it takes a normal person 15 to learn, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. And I guess the problem that we've had from a jiu-jitsu perspective, you know, circling back to the leg lock thing and everything, is we've had, I think, honestly, an arrogance from the jiu-jitsu side of things where we have guys and girls that come from jiu-jitsu and say, Oh yeah, let me just go in there and grapple this person. Well, this ain't a grappling match. This is a fight. This guy's going to try to punch you in the head and he's going to back up and run away if he wants to and he's allowed to do it. So provided that we have the striking experience and the striking calm and and comfort to do what we want to do, we can make things happen. I think you're starting to see that with your Gunny Nelsons, you know, a guy, another guy that's very tough is uh, Benil Darius in the lightweight division who who have phenomenal jiu-jitsu backgrounds. But in addition to that, have the striking chops to be able to exist on the feet without – not only without fear of getting knocked out, but without just the, the stress that sucks the life out of you from a cardiovascular perspective. So I think that there's room for all of this in MMA provided that you developed it to the, to the right level and provided that you developed the other skill sets to allow you to actually access them without trying to force it. Because if I just run around there trying to dive for people's legs, that's going to work out about as well as, you know, jumping spin kicks with no wrestling. <laughs> I just got to say really quick, listening to you, you remind me, I'm, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, Chael Sonnen. Do you really? guys not Chael hear that? Sonnen? In I the told, voice? Yes, in your voice and in, in his delivery. I well, Not at the extreme of Chael, but he's like he's a bit just, more logical than Chael. I know. I, was gonna I, say, I, know, but I don't. I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean it in like in a in a good way. <laughs> Sorry, okay, I hear that. Good. I don't know if you guys don't hear that. But before we go ahead. Sorry, Twitter says it's incredible. What did you say? I said I love Chael's Twitter. I remember I was looking at it the other day, and it just said he has a dual masters in dominance and modesty. Before we say goodbye to you, because you've been so generous with your time, and I know it's very late out there, um, Mr. J. Tan mentioned your gym to me, and I wanted to make you know 
have you mentioned something about the your gym fifty fifty? Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. That's right. Talk, yeah, talk tell about, us about it. Yes. Where can we find it? And what's yeah. uh, what do you got? What's the curriculum like there? Man, thank you guys so much. You know, fifty fifty jiu jitsu is actually it's it's my school. I never wanted to name it like Ryan Hall anything because you know I don't. It's not about me. It's about it's about the team and about the place and, and the people there that that I hope make it a special place. And that's actually something that I talked to Uriah about, and he felt the same way about you know why he named his team Team Alpha Male, not mm-hmm. Team Uriah as the man. And even though they produce <laughs> an incredible number of people, yeah. uh, and. Uh, you know, we're based in Falls Church, Virginia, which is right next to Washington D.C., about you know, like five miles from the Pentagon, right near, right near the city. And uh, we've been around Metro, for about right? six years now. And uh, you know, we're open to anyone, anywhere, anytime of any affiliation that That's wants crazy. to come, any affiliation or none, really, depending. Yeah, you know, the jiu-jitsu world is kind of a weird place. Sorry about that. Um, th- that wants to come in and train. You know, we have people who are professional level UFC guys and girls come through. We have absolute beginners. We have kids program. And, uh, you know, we just do our best to, to help everyone achieve their goals. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a mediocre coach at best, I'll be honest. Um, you know, I, I do okay at instructing, but, you know, we, I'm, I, I try to let other people who have better talents than me in that regard be in charge. You know, my wife is a very good black belt in jiu-jitsu, actually. She does a lot of the teaching. We've got a bunch of other guys and girls that are involved as well. And uh, we just try to make it a fun and, and welcoming place that still you can you can learn to do what you want to do. And martial arts is still a very, very real thing for us. You know, honestly, I probably lost a lot of business running it less like a uh, – a commercial enterprise than I could, you know, probably more like my clubhouse, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's home and, and I love it. And anyone from anywhere that's, that's interested is more than welcome to come and find us. Our, our website is uh, www.5050bjj.com. Awesome. And, uh, awesome. anyone that would like to train, I, I look forward to meeting. Awesome. You know what I got to say, and I hope these guys echo that this statement that it was an absolute pleasure to speak with you tonight. Oh my goodness. And Indeed. get to know yeah. you. And you're such a humble guy, which is nice to hear, especially coming from a fighter. It has blown away all the amazing expectations that I had prior to having And you had a this. lot of that. Oh, I had you were right, right on, was I right mean, on honestly, point with right, you, Ryan. You've blown me away. It's very easy to be humble. I get beat up a lot, and I do a lot of dumb stuff. <laughs> so that's not much of a challenge. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us. My pleasure. Thank you guys so much for having me. Take it easy, man. Take it easy. Later. Awesome. Yeah. That was cool. Dude! He's... Kind of I great. told you, I saw him you on did the call st- and I went, that, that guy, gleam in his eye. Did. I'm telling you, I've got a knack for this. Somebody's you do. You do. Well, I, okay. <laughs> you know, so he didn't say that about any of us when he did the show for the first time last week. Nice. I can just tell none of you have it. None of you have it. I got an idea. Let's it's leg so lock funny. him after the show. Let's Let's do do it. It. If you take it right, I'll take the left. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm sorry. I hear 50 50, and I, I think, you know, old school WWF, man. I'm just like, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, like 50 50. What is that? I don't the even... Jeff Jarrett reference? No, no, no. Uh, my gosh, I'm blanking. Why am I blanking on the name? Well, uh, I thought you were doing the Ric Flair one. Ric Flair. Oh, you Oh, you know, that's the that's figure, one figure four. four leg lock. <laughs> so when he's doing this, I was like, it's Flair. No, no, it's Ric Flair. It's a 50-50 leg lock. Right? I was afraid there was a pro wrestling reference that I didn't know. I know. No, 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 I thought no, no, you were no. something. I'm somebody here. I'm like, yeah. if no, I it is called figure four it. now that you say it. Yes. I think, look, I'm really. But it looks I'm, like 50-50. I'm right on a Ryan that. Hall high right now. Guys. Yeah, you are. Look at you. You're glowing. I really, even when, like, he said goodbye, I did this. I went, I put my hand up. I was like, oh, my gosh. He's not yeah, but even yeah, your emails, yeah. you're like, yes, Ryan Hall all the way. I tell you, I'm a fan. I am <laughs> a Jiu-Jitsu fan. man crush. Jiu-Jitsu man it. crush. That's his new nickname. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Tom J, Jiu-Jitsu man crush, I'm, I'm and we have to come up with some here. I know. I know. Uh, we, 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 we know what? Every episode, we get one. So we got <laughs> um, I don't 
JJMC. I need some nicknames. Um, we, we got, obviously we got to wrap up. Final oh, thoughts from each of you quickly, Jay. Uh, it was this, uh, well, okay. So the first uh, first match. Uriah's off to a roll. Uh, in the preview, we see that McGregor kind of loses it during the uh, during the match itself. So, mm-hmm. on one hand, I think that that means that Uriah's team wins this upcoming week. On the other hand, knowing producers in reality, that could be a swerve. Right. But I, I think that this may be the time that we see Uriah's team go on a little bit of a tear for the first couple of uh, weeks. Okay, Jonathan. Um, well, I mean, let's be honest. This this week for me is all about Ryan Hall, and uh, <laughs> this has been fantastic. Um, on a on a side note, I do love watching uh, the show and trying to piece together, like trying to predict what's going to happen yeah. by seeing their injuries based on when they're being interviewed, mm. and like because you know sometimes it's a bit out of order, and right. so I love trying to make predictions while I watch. <laughs> I love I it. And Jared. Uh, I love seeing uh, Uriah Faber get caught in a uh, good joke battle. Because he's good <laughs> for about one or that. two rebuttals. Right. And then he just freezes. Maybe and you can see his brain just kind of like, it's like the hamster. Right, yeah. The hamster yeah. stopped running. <laughs> yeah. the no, I love him. He's Faber. great. Maybe by the end of the season, he'll improve and he'll like four and five combo punchlines, you yeah. know? Yeah, this I'm, is not, for him as well. I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping. But he was Brian's a great guest, and I can't yes, wait. I can't was. wait for grits next week because I'm. I want to see a guy who's got good condition. Yeah, and mm-hmm. maybe kind of string out a fight a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this, I think this is the first episode in two seasons that I haven't heard you talk about Nas Energy Drink. Oh, uh, I can. <laughs> I'm just saying. I just noticed it. That's all. All right. Well, that is gonna wrap us up for today. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, Ryan Hill. Um, thank you all my awesome boys here and we will see you guys next week thanks again later twitters guys yeah I totally was not going to do that (laughs) I was thinking it and wasn't going to do it Tanjay where can we find you thanks Alexa I'm still at jtan716 j-a-y-t-a-n 716 just about at any social media that I'm on for that matter Kaiba Cat at Kaiba Cat on Instagram, Twitter, all the shebangs. Kaiba C-A-Y. C-A-Y. No, that's oh, not it. Oh, no, K-A-I-B-A-C-A-T. Sure. At Gilkerson Radio on Twitter. I'm at Zuri Serrano on everything, and clearly my brain is jumbled by Dancing with the Stars today, so thanks again. Bye, guys. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. <laughs> 